Hello, my name is Andrew Gary and welcome to Seismic Sound Off, in-depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, I speak with three authors from the special section highlighting the Mediterranean region in July's The Leading Edge. These authors discuss the latest scientific scholarship and future prospects in the Mediterranean after a record-breaking find in 2015. Giovanni Ruscidelli and Peter Shiner co-authored a paper on isolated carbonate platforms and its potentially critical exploration features. Hamid El Mouafi served as lead author focusing on the offshore area of the Nile Delta. Giovanni Ruscidelli is associate professor in sedimentology and stratigraphy at the University of Chiete and founder and managing director of Strategio Research. He is currently interested in seismic modeling of slope margin systems based on detailed outcrop descriptions. Peter Shiner is a senior geoscience advisor at Strategio Research and has an MSc in sedimentology from the University of London. He is particularly interested in the integration of outcrop and subsurface datasets to reduce subsurface risk and exploitation of carbonate systems. Hamid El Mouafi is a principal exploration and production geoscientist with New Era Geoservices in Houston, Texas. He works on various projects ranging from new ventures and prospect generation to reservoir characterization. I speak with Giovanni and Peter first. The any discoveries in the region was a common theme throughout this special section. What was the significance of these discoveries in the region and your work in particular? I mean, I think, I think it's difficult to overstress the, the importance of the NI discoveries. Uh, I mean, Zor in particular is, is an absolute game changer. Uh, I, I mean, the, the first, I think, starting at a, a much broader perspective than, than our work is just in terms of the energy geopolitics of the region. Zor is reported to have 30 TCF of resource. It's the, the largest gas discovery ever made in the Mediterranean, uh, and it opens a completely new play. So I think the Eastern Mediterranean had already been attracting a lot of excitement as a result of the discoveries made in the tertiary plastics about 10 years ago uh, at Leviathan and places like that. Uh, but I guess over the last few years, there hadn't been that many new discoveries made in that, that play. What, what the ENI discoveries suggest, and I mean, clearly ENI have done some great work to, to realize these opportunities, but it suggests there's a carbonate play there, which holds resources which have the potential to, to completely restructure the, the energy geopolitics of the Eastern Mediterranean. So they have an immense significance that goes well beyond beyond our contribution on, uh, on carbonate sedimentology and even geoscience in general. Having said which, obviously they do also have a, uh, uh, an enormous impact on our understanding of the geological evolution of, of the Eastern Mediterranean. I think it, it was known, particularly in the academic literature, um, that there were shallow, that there were isolated carbonate platforms sitting in deep water out in the Mediterranean, uh, in particular some of the ODP drilling in the 1990s had, had uncovered evidence of their presence. But I think the, the subsurface of data that has been collected by, by the EMP industry and by ENI in particular really emphasize the, the size and the significance of these features. So I think it, it, it's changing everything from our understanding of paleogeography of the Eastern Mediterranean all the way through to our, our understanding of carbonate sedimentology uh, and, and beyond that, obviously, the, the hydrocarbon play systems that they host. So, as I said at the beginning, I think it's difficult to overstress their significance. They really are 
game changers for, for the region. So let's dig in a little bit to what you mentioned there in that answer of what you were looking at in this paper. Could you briefly describe isolated carbonate platforms or ICP? Okay, ICP stands for isolated carbon platforms, of course, uh, of course, and uh, uh, it, cor it corresponds to isolated carbonate bodies uh, with uh, a topographic elevation in relation to the uh, adjacent basinal strata, and uh, uh, it, it is isolated uh, from uh, continental lead masses, and it can include different depositional uh, environments, such as reefs or lagoons and flanking slopes. So this uh, definition has a broad application, and uh, it works for discriminating isolated carbonate platforms from uh, other topographically elevated structures. In spite of this, ICPs show a spectrum of end members, which may vary greatly. So in this view, for example, the Southeast Asian isolated carbonate platforms represent one end member, and the Mediterranean isolated carbonate platforms represent another one. There are wonderful images and tables throughout your paper that I encourage all the listeners to view that helps highlight and reinforce this discussion we're having. In regards to these isolated carbonate platforms, why were the general classification schemes for ICPs not fully accurate to classify those found in the Mediterranean? There is a couple of parameters that seems to be particularly relevant for Mediterranean ICPs. Uh, these parameters are the time and spatial dimensions. And uh, in our article, we uh, illustrate and discuss the implication that these two parameters have in differentiating Southeast Asian and Mediterranean ICPs, uh, or also in the formation of the main features related to Mediterranean ICPs and their identification criteria. So an example uh, can be that the uh, Mediterranean ICPs were initiated in the early Mesozoic and terminated in the middle late tertiary. So they have a long duration of about 150, 180 million years. This, mean, this means that these structures experience tectonic changes associated with the full range of processes from rifting to collision and that the long-term accumulation of carbonates was influenced by carbonate factories, carbonate producers, which have succeeded each other uh, through the Mesozoic and Cenozoic as a result of evolution and climates, of course, and that uh, these systems are characterized by different composition and variable, uh, variable growth and production potential. What are the geophysical consequences of not factoring in these differences? I think the main differences in the, the seismic expression of the, of the platforms relates to the, uh, the interior seismic fascias. And then if you look at the, the Southeast Asian examples, you know, you've got beautiful development of uh, seismic fascias within the platform between what are relatively stripy, parallel, continuous platform interiors to kind of mounded reefs. So it's very easy to, to go directly from the seismic fascias to the depositional model and then from the depositional model to, to the reservoir distribution uh, within the feature. 
And I think if you come to, to Mediterranean isolated platforms with those models in mind, then you're going to be very disappointed because basically the depositional environments within the Mediterranean platforms tend to be much more gradational uh, and the, the, the platform margin tends to have a, a, a much less well-developed uh, kind of geometry and seismic expression. So the consequence of that is the Mediterranean carbonate platforms often tend to seismically be quite transparent. So you can be looking at this, this feature, which from a seismic point of view has a very well characterized top reflector, very well characterized flanking reflectors, but internally is fairly featureless. Uh, and I guess what that, that also does is it really emphasizes the importance of using outcrop analog data sets to understand the, the relevant fascist models and then obviously from the fascist models, understand reservoir development within the features. Do you have thoughts if other areas would benefit from questioning the underlying assumptions or kind of, if you put it, just kind of re-looking at what, what their common belief is and if it applies to this particular area you are exploring? I think within, you know, within, within the area that we've been looking at, I think the, um, the, the, the obvious area to, to develop into is, is to think about the, the distribution of the petroleum system elements within the platforms. Because again, I think you know, people will, within the industry, we tend to have these relatively simple models that come from places like Southeast Asia, uh, and they're very, very difficult to apply to, uh, uh, to, to the Mediterranean platforms. So for example, in a number of Mediterranean platforms, there are very well-developed source rock intervals. Within the Mediterranean platforms, reservoir distribution tends to be, as I say, very different from the, the kind of uh, predictions that you would make from, from the models coming from, from other regions of the world. So I think the other area that, that probably would be beneficial for people to think about critically is how they bring their knowledge of carbonate systems from other areas of the world into a, a petroleum systems element uh, analysis of the, the Mediterranean platforms. How does your paper in this special section on the Mediterranean support geoscientists working in this area? Well, I, I guess I, I would hope the most basic thing is it gives them a sense of excitement for what is happening in the region at the moment because it really is, you know, it really is uh, game changing, as I said at the beginning. I mean, first of all, we've had these major discoveries made in, uh, in tertiary plastics. And now this, uh, this new play with major resource potential has been uh, identified within the carbonates. So I think hopefully the first thing it communicates to a, a broader international audience, the geoscientists, is just a sense of excitement uh, about the potential of the area. I think then beyond that, uh, hopefully um, our article and the other articles help, help uh, other geoscientists bring their knowledge from the other, other systems they've worked on. Uh, and, uh, and apply it in, a, in an intelligent way in, in this specific context. I mean, clearly, given, given the stage of exploration here, there is relatively little data in the public domain, so a lot of what's going on is going to be um, concept-based. So I guess I would hope we're, we're helping people develop the right concepts to, to, to use to explore the area. What do you hope readers take away? We hope that the readers take a more uh, comprehensive and correct view of Mediterranean ICPs with the, our, uh, with the features and elements that we show in the, in the article. And, uh, and they, 
we hope that they arrive to appreciate the differences between uh, this kind of isolated carbon platforms and isolated carbon platforms of elsewhere. Yeah, and I think what I would hope people take away is, is, is this understanding that uh, you can't take simple models from other areas of the world and, and blindly apply them uh, in, in the Mediterranean. You know, what is needed in this area are specific models that are rooted in, in what, what is known of the regional geology. So I think, you know, if we could communicate that, that, that I think is the main message I would like people to take away. What did the two of you learn from working and writing this article? There is a lot of work to do. <laughs> I, I think what I, I, the main thing I learned from this, I think, was the, the power of integrating surface geology data sets with subsurface data sets. I mean, as, I, as I said in answer to an earlier question, the seismic expression of many of the Mediterranean ICPs can be, can be rather disappointing and rather transparent, and that makes it very difficult to, to understand, based purely on the seismic data, uh, what the internal architecture of these features is. But I think once you start to kind of combine the information that you can get from the, the subsurface data with some well-described out, outcrop analogs, it really is possible to start building some, some quite detailed predictive models, and I think that, that's the main message I took away from this piece of work. What should I have asked you that I did not? Well, I guess the big question that we're all waiting for is where is the next 30 TCF carbonate platform sitting in the Eastern Mediterranean? <laughs> so if I knew, uh, I guess if I knew, I probably wouldn't tell you. I'd probably be out there trying to license it. <laughs> but unfortunately, I don't know. Maybe somebody in Milan does. To read their article and all of the articles from this month's TLE, please visit library.seg.org. Now for my conversation with Hamid. Now looking at your paper and, and the things you were looking at, could you start by describing the Scarab field? Yes, a Scarab field is a turbidite submarine channel complex discovered by British Gas in 1998 in the offshore Western Nile Delta, and still producing till now. Scarab Field Canyon is occupied by two channel systems, namely the lower and the upper Scarab channels. The trapping mechanism in the field is stratigraphic in the form of bench outs and deep closures to the north, and a charging of the Pliocene reservoirs in the Scarab Field and in the Worcester Delta Deep Marine Concession at large, is believed to be from the north. What geophysical methods did you use for your article or in your article? The geophysical met methods used in our study here are pre-stack seismic inversion and the Bayesian facies classification. We used the pre-stack seismic inversion method to generate the elastic reservoir properties, such as B impedance and VBVS ratio volumes. Using the elastic volumes produced from the inversion and also formation microimager or FMI facies logs, we applied Bayesian facies classification scheme to estimate facies and the probability cubes separating thin bedded and thick bedded gas sand facies from the shells. 
What is the significance of the bypass traps you discuss in your article? You know, uh, the bypass traps were initially interpreted uh, from the geologic model that we created for the scarab fields because we conducted a geological study before starting this quantitative seismic interpretation study. So guided by the geologic model, the application of the pre-stack seismic inversion method followed by the Bayesian facies classification proved the presence of thin-bitted and thick-bitted gas sand facies in the bypass stratigraphic traps. So these bypass stratigraphic traps are expected to have a significant impact on scarab field development through adding potential reserves and consequently are also expected to boost gas production from the field. So uh, we propose drilling a new development well to test these traps. You go on to say in, in the conclusion of the paper that these bypass traps could serve as an analogy to explore and develop similar reservoirs. Could you explain this concept a bit more? Well, conducting a detailed seismic sedimentological analysis and the depositional evolution of these submarine channel systems and also conducting the quantitative seismic interpretation of the other Pliocene slope canyon channel systems in the other West Delta deep marine gas fields. Scarab field is one of those fields and also in similar depositional setting elsewhere. This may result in identifying similar bypassy traps. So uh, characterizing the potential of such bypassy traps uh, using pre-stack seismic inversion and facies classification methods and workflows may help in delineating new sweet spots and constructing new field development strategies and, of course, in adding more hydrocarbon reserves. How does your paper and this special section in general support geoscientists working in the Mediterranean? Well, I think uh, similar cases of uh, brown fields in the Nile Delta Basin exist and elsewhere in the Mediterranean Basin at large, can use the proposed methodologies and workflows explained in this special section to enhance the calculation of the initial gas in place or initial hydrocarbons in place, oil and gas, I mean, and to create new drilling opportunities, correct? Also, looking at the papers included in this section, uh, you find that applying advanced rock physics and inversion techniques and workflows would greatly help in the realization of the full potential of deep water classic or carbonate reservoirs encased in stratigraphic traps or combination stratigraphic and structural traps. What do you hope your readers take away? I think it's a uh, quantitative seismic interpretation should be guided by the appropriate geologic model for the field. And in this case, applying advanced geophysical reservoir characterization methodologies on mature fields, for example, may bring up unrealized potential. So the remaining potential in deep water and ultra-deep water settings, such as the Mediterranean Basin, 
could be huge either in the form of new play that would require huge investments to explore and produce, or it could be one or two subtle stratigraphic traps left behind in a mature field that are cheap to drill, but can add more production to the local market or to a LNG export facility. What did you learn from working and writing on this article? Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, two points to make here. Uh, the first point is the uh, integrating geological conceptual models and advanced geophysical techniques would really help. The second point is the full, full potential of the thin-bedded sandstone reservoirs in deep water settings as a significant contributor to hydrocarbon production is still not realized. So one part of our suggested workflows, which is not actually included in this paper, but will be included in our next geostatistical article, is to include advanced rock physics techniques for a detailed understanding of the rock and the fluid properties. In addition, using the advanced rock physics techniques in our workflow will allow a better understanding of the effect of thin bits on the seismic response to greatly assessing the risk and uncertainty associated in seismic-based interpretations and modeling. Well, it's great to know that there are future papers we can expect from you. And is there is there anything I should have asked you that I did not? Actually, yes, I have, I have two questions. My first question is, what is the future of West Delta Deep Marine Concession? So uh, SCARA Field is located in the West Delta Deep Marine Concession offshore West Nile Delta. So what is the future of this concession? So the answer to the question is twofold. The first is we recommend conducting similar studies on the other blocking gas fields in the West Delta Deep Marine Concession to evaluate their remaining potential. So the second point is the deeper oligomyosine targets should be the next step for exploration and development. This was my first question. The second question is, what is the big prize in the Mediterranean? I believe the big prize is in the pre-salt oligomyosine and the Mesozoic plays that could hold giant traps and huge reserves. I also believe exploration and exploitation of these deep water plays require big companies to invest in the Mediterranean and eventually win the prize. If I can give you one example here, nowadays, I believe the investment environments and opportunities in the petroleum sector in Egypt are healthy and attractive. So Egypt now is rising as a Mediterranean gas hub, and I recommend the local and international investors to participate in the energy sector in Egypt with a focus on oil and the gas exploration and the production. At seg.org slash podcast, you will find the show notes and links to the July articles. Subscribers can read the full articles online and abstracts are always free. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
Your reviews bring a smile to our faces. Subscribe to Seismic Sound Off on the podcast app of your choice to receive the latest episodes first. Seismic Sound Off is sponsored by the SEG Wiki, the place to find hundreds of biographies of geoscientists, open access tutorials, and ongoing translations of SEG's best-selling book, Robert Sheriff's Encyclopedic Dictionary. Type wiki.seg.org into your browser to visit the world's first online geophysics encyclopedia. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary. Special thanks to the SEG podcast team, Jennifer Crockett, Beth Donica, Ali McGinnis, Mick Sweeney, and Adrian White. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.